Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 73 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain and I have climbed into the walls once again at the request of... Andy Stewart. Apologies folks, uh, I have requested that this minisode be recorded via Skype because I am fucking exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I think that like, I'm just, I'm kind of mentally just kind of making a piece with the fact that we might have to do this every now and again, just kind of like, uh, just as and when it kind of suits your parenting schedule, which well, is no, fine. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. What I will say is that my uh, spawn is currently suffering from a bit of a cold and conjunctivitis. Okay. Yeah, so he's a bit grumbly. And uh, yeah, he was being a bit of a, a nightmare through the night. So uh, yeah, this was a last minute change because you were due to come over. So that was always going to be happening. Uh, but yeah, for date stamp purposes, this is 11am on a Saturday. Yes. And aside from that, how have you been? I've been okay. Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, busy. I've been trying to do as much life admin around all the other stuff that's going on while I've been mm-hmm. on paternity leave. And yeah, I'm doing I'm doing okay. Good, yeah. good, good, good. Yeah, not bad. Um, busy week of uh, just trying to get some projects over the line. Yes. Um, with with kind of varying degrees of success, but everything's <laughs> yeah taking along okay. I have made some time to watch some stuff though. Have you? I have. Yeah. Um, you made a call, Mitch, that we received a screener for uh, Rob Zombie's Three from Hell. Yeah, we did. So uh, we watched that just before we recorded the episode on Nightmare Beach this week. Yeah, so Rob Zombie bringing back the Firefly family for a third installment that nobody asked for. Nobody asked for. It wasn't necessarily required um, because... For my money, The Devil's Rejects is a perfect ending. Yeah, I would say so. I actually think that like I'm not a great one for saying that future installments harm the legacy of ones that came before them. Uh-huh. I'm kind of I'm quite good at looking at things in isolation. Sure, sure. But I actually think that um, I'll, I mean, I'll get into the various things that I didn't like about Three from Hell in a minute, as I'm sure you will too. But um, I find it really galling that the strength of the ending of the devil's reject has been walked back to such an extent in the name of something that is so boring yes yeah and i think that's one of the biggest failings of this film is that he brought them back these characters that he's created that people love but he's brought them back and really done nothing with them he's actually for my money he's undermined all the good work he did in the first two films I think that that's true, and that is maddening. And I think that it's got no real interest in telling a story, I think is another thing that bothers me. It pinballs from unpleasant scenario to unpleasant scenario without ever really gathering any kind of momentum. You're just watching unpleasant stuff for the hell of watching unpleasant stuff. Yeah, agreed. There's so much about it that that irritates me as well. Like If you're going to do a, a sequel to a film where people are shot multiple times, at least put some fucking scars on them. I would much rather that the three from hell of the title actually involved there being some kind of contrivance that actually literally took them back from hell yeah me too me too do the 
Jason Lives thing and bring them back for the dead. Yeah, I mean, like, I genuinely, I wouldn't have minded. I would have gotten on board with whatever bullshit contrivance they'd used to do that much more than, oh, they, they all survive getting shot multiple times um, by the police at the end of Devil's Rejects. In fact, the more I think about this, the angry it's making me. Yeah, and I, I want to say the... Obviously, this is Sid Haig's one song film uh, yeah. for all the time he's on screen, but the character of Captain Spaulding is dealt with and tossed off in such a. It almost feels like a disrespectful way. Like It's it, not great. Because I, I, I don't care about spoiling this. Like, Sid Haig's only in this for maybe two minutes. Um, uh, I mean, we, we, we do spoiler tag every episode. So. Yeah, yeah, but he is uh, pretty unceremoniously executed at the start. We don't see it, we don't know, really know anything about it other than the fact that he has been executed and Richard Brake's character Foxy is there just to fill the gap and make the two three again yeah I think he's also a little bit crowbarred in I think we would have heard about a half brother by now <laughs> uh, you know over the measure of the first two films all this kind of thing yeah I don't know it all just feels like very unnecessary I am very kind of self-consciously unpleasant it, br- it brings them back for the hell of bringing them back rather than because it feels like it feels like that the idea of bringing them back came before the story absolutely and, and i think story is i mean don't get me wrong right i, I quite like the films of rob zombie and round about the time of kind of lords of salem you start to see a kind of maturity in his work yeah but this is uh, this and 31 are just pure idle nonsense like i think i think this is worse than 31 31 i, I had like i thought was like okay i wasn't really that bothered either way about it um i think that with 31 i thought that it would go over well with people who like slavishly love the stuff that he's done up to that point but wouldn't win him any new kind of converts this i feel could alienate people because it's such a mishandling of such kind of well-liked and beloved characters yeah yeah and on that subject i mean bill mosley's just doing that the, the otis thing again uh just pussy motherfucker and it's like it's tiresome like there is it is tiresome he's in such a one-dimensional character the only character who could potentially have something to do here and have more of an arc is sherry moon zombie's baby but she is played to such a ludicrously over the top extent that it's it's annoying yeah i mean it is and i mean like you uh you made a pretty good point when we were watching it when you were like it's it's the exact same thing she's done before apart from the fact that in between this and the devil's rejects she's seen suicide squad (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but all the stuff with her getting kind of abused in the in the, the the prison and stuff like that, there's a real opportunity there that doesn't really go anywhere. It goes nowhere. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Aye. And another thing that annoys me as well, right, is this is a, this film looks cheap. I think it looks quite amateurish. Yeah, it looks cheap. It's set in the early to mid eighties, and again, he's just stuck in the seventies aesthetic. Like everything is so. He can't escape it. He can't get away from wanting to make films that are set in the seventies, even when it's not appropriate. Yep. And I mean that's also true. Yeah. And another thing that annoys me as well. Oh my! Oh my goodness, Andy. The third act of this film is exactly the third act of The Devil's Rejects. Yeah. It's just. Do you know when I, I there was a kind of quiet optimism in me when I, I heard that this was coming out, and I think I was in the same boat as you. I thought it was going to be some kind of back from the dead type scenario, but what we yeah. seem to have is this real slapdash rehashing of the Devil's Rejects. That is, it's disappointing. It's really disappointing. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. In good faith, am I going to sit here and recommend it to people? No, um, I'm certainly not going to recommend it to people who like the first two films. No, absolutely not. No, there's no guarantee that you'll enjoy this if you did. No, absolutely none. Absolutely none. Unless unless you're quite happy to watch 
the devil's rejects kane i play out again yeah in slightly less remarkable fashion yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah that's fair um not to just continue a trend of uh, dumping on stuff this week, but um, I did also this week check out the first episode of Creepshow on Shudder. Oh, right, okay. I've seen some stuff. Yeah, so how they're doing this is um, it's 45 minutes or 50 minutes an episode, and there's two stories per episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one in this one about a haunted doll's house or a haunted item in a doll's house, which was pretty forgettable stuff. The first one was um, Greg Nicotero's section. Um, and it was a Stephen King adaptation, and I, I mean, I really didn't like it. Like I, like, I really didn't like it. I, but I don't like the story, so I don't want to come down too hard on it. You know, like in terms of like the actual craft of it, because sure, the story sure. didn't take my boxes. But um, you had here. There's a couple of scenes in this where you have uh, Giancarlo Esposito that played uh, Gus Fring in Breaking Bad, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, Tobin Bell, Jigsaw. Uh, who who are kind of like riffing off each other and it feels like that's wasted because those are two very good character actors that you should be able to enjoy just kind of playing off each other and the writing doesn't let you do that and uh, yeah, I I don't know I I think that it looks kind of cheap I think that there's the biggest thing that's bothering people and certainly something that bothers me about it is that it doesn't seem like there's any real attempt made to capture the spirit of the original Creepshow and Creepshow 2 Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talking about uh, the that all that again similarly another uh, another thing that's kind of levied at uh, three from hell is that it looks a bit cheap and a bit unfinished and rushed yeah i think that like the there's stuff at the start and end of the episode with the creep and it doesn't talk right. uh it okay. just kind of like cackles and then it cuts and uh that feels unfinished the comic book intertitles look like a kind of afterthought they don't look good um, yeah, it just feels a little bit phoned in on a frustrating number of levels. I I wasn't into it, but I'm not going to dwell on too much more beyond that. I will try the next one. Yeah, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch them today, so I'll feed back next week. Yeah, I'm going to try and get the second one watched this week, and maybe the third one too. But we'll see. Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, <laughs> sure. Also, uh, something with a limited time on Amazon Prime, but we mentioned it was arriving on Netflix this past week as well. I watched Within. All right. Okay. Which is uh, written by Gary Dauberman that wrote the two new It's. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, what you have here is a family moving into a new house in a new neighborhood. Um, and all the kind of stereotypes are there. You know, you've got this wide-eyed, idealistic parents and this kind of comedically cynical daughter. Uh, and they're all just trying to get along in this like difficult, challenging situation. <laughs> right. There are some undeniably incredibly creepy neighbors and stuff on the go, and then some strange things start happening in the house. You get kind of jump scares, weird noises, startled cats, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, part of the central question of this is whether it's like a supernatural thing or if it's a kind of human interference thing or if it's a little of both. Ooh. It's not terrible. It's just, you know, it's one of those things where it finishes and you're like, that was certainly a film. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. In fact, we had a uh, tweet very similar to that this week about something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, and it's it's I. That's how I felt about it. What I would say is one thing that I think is to its credit. I think performance-wise, it's fine. Erin Moriarty is here playing the daughter. Um, I haven't seen her in anything since The Kings of Summer, which is one of my favorite films of the last ten years or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's doing okay work here. The parents are fine. The creepy neighbors are a little bit stock creepy neighbors. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, like people who are just kind of like one-dimensionally suspicious from the off. Um, what I would say is that um, the the daughter is the first one that cottons on to the fact that something's not right. And rather than the parents not believing her until it's too late, when she goes to them and is like, um, something's up and explains X, Y, and Z, after like the dad checks into it, he holds his hands up and he's like, you know what? I didn't take you seriously before. I'm sorry. I'm in now. And that doesn't happen enough. Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> like, um, uh, and that's something to his credit. But within, I would say, it's on Netflix now. Uh, it landed there at the end of last week. I, it might still be on Amazon Prime. Uh, like I say, it was down as having limited time, but it's certainly available if you want to check it out. It's perfectly passable way to pass an hour and a half, but I can't say too much more about it than that. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> no, I did have one other thing, but it falls under a very specific category. Ah. Now, I think I have 13 of these left. Oh. Um, so the end is. That's the end is on that sight. then? Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure it's 13. Um, not including uh, this past week's one, um, which I found admittedly on YouTube because there's no other place to get it in the UK. Mm-hmm. But uh, 1984 Soul Survivor. Right. Uh, do you know this is one of the, I think, one of the two or three I haven't seen? Yeah, they, I mean, they did talk about it when this was originally included in the Shockwaves list on that episode of Shockwaves. They did say that this is one of the harder ones to get hold of generally, and regular listeners to that show will kind of know that they all had their own individual stories of hunting it down and watching it. Uh-huh. So basically what you have here is a woman who is the sole survivor of a plane crash. Right. So she has, like, massive survivor's guilt and all that stuff, and uh, basically things start happening. She gets stalked by this presence, and she thinks that death is coming back for her. Now, this film is... Like I say, it's 1984, so it's a long, long time ago. And I think that it's 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 a pretty good film. But it's really interesting to watch because it's probably an underrated or under-discussed one when you're talking about the legacy or influence of films from that era. Right. Because, I mean, you can, you can very easily trace lines to things like Final Destination and things like It Follows. I would say It Follows matches this more tonally. Right, okay. Um, but, you know, but, like, but the way that the entity kind of stalks her is very It Follows. The entire notion of it, obviously, kind of is pretty parallel to Final Destination. Um, like I say, it's on YouTube if anybody wants to check it out. I wish I could recommend a way to watch it and pay for it, but I did do some scouting around and there doesn't seem that doesn't seem to exist. Right, okay. Um, at least within the full extent of my rumblings. I'm happy to accept corrections on that, but I couldn't find it when I tried to get hold of it any other way. But it is there, and um, yeah, I would recommend checking it out. It's, it's, it's an interesting little film, but I would say that like it's more interesting now than it might have been at the time. Because those other films exist. It's Yeah, it's interesting to see with context of what came after, I think, um, how those ideas got teased out in other things. Cool. Excellent. You know you know what? It was a good one. It was a good kind of like, it was a good one in a way that, you know, I could enjoy it on a level that I can't with a lot of them. Because I think that like when I'm watching the things that I should have seen from ages ago, from the 60s and 70s, I watch it and I'm like, yes, I'm, that's certainly good. But <laughs> I don't, like, but like, a lot of the time the context that's important is the context of the time. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, or like, or watching something when you were younger and you were a little bit more susceptible to things and stuff like that. This felt like the total opposite. Watching something, it was good to watch it for the first time now because it feels like the context that you need is today rather than then. Oh, well, you know what I mean? I mean, like I say, this is one that I haven't seen. So, knowing that it's on YouTube. Yeah, go to get out. It's good. It's good. Um, uh, yeah, so Soul Survivor, 1984. That was my Shockwaves contribution this week. Brilliant. What have they been seeing? They have been saying plenty once again, and uh, before we get into the kind of meat of this, I do just want to say a quick thank you. I'm not going to read out everyone because there was a lot of them, which is lovely, but a um, quick thank you to everybody who gave us a mention on uh, International Podcast Day this week. Oh, yeah. Which was very cool of a lot of people. And mentioned alongside some other amazing podcasts. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's very cool. good company. It's cool to be considered uh, important enough to squeeze us into your week alongside those guys, like big kind of world-killing podcasts. Yeah, exactly. Um, and actually, we've had a lot of stuff this week that has kind of not been tied to particular films. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm looking through my feedback allocation just now, 
and uh, there's very little about an individual film. Yeah, um, so I think we should go through some of the general stuff, I, or maybe just tackle this as it arises, but um, uh, Hanny underscore Ray got in touch on Twitter saying, having a bit of a strong, violent PC-inspired night in with both Final Destination 5 and Anaconda's Hunt for the Blood Arcade on Netflix. <laughs> I love the fact that, obviously, Han- um, Anaconda is in it, we, we did an episode on that, that's fine. I love the fact that, despite the fact we haven't expressly talked about Final Destination 5, the fact that I never shut up about it is enough for it to be in a podcast themed double bill <laughs> quite the night's view as uh, well so thanks. Uh, it's kind of a night of two halves really <laughs> absolutely yes uh definitely um yeah totally it's all over the shop also salt of popcorn getting in touch uh, just uh, after this past week's episode but kind of with general commentary but it was getting in touch after the nightmare beach episode from this week got there a day late and a dollar short to strong violent pc two things one i remain as easily surprised as mitch despite all the movies i've watched over the years and two oh what is this from last october and linked to an article that he wrote himself on okay. Beach, which is out there um we'll give it a wee retweet if you want to go check it out yeah, but sure. uh yes so um kevin uh kind of riffing on the fact that uh, despite the fact that i've watched 73 films for this purpose and quite a lot of horror films over the last 10 years i continue to be absolutely dumbfounded at very easily telegraphable plot twists do you know and I'm, I'm going to stick with kevin for a minute uh, and i notice also that for the halloween season much like many other people he has changed his twitter handle to something uh seasonal Yep. Uh, in this case, he is now Saltired Pumpkin. Um, ah, not bad. I always big up my own podcast, Hey, Pimpin' Ain't Easy for Raiders of the Pod, but the hilarious Strong Violent PC deserves high praise for putting out quality content weekly despite festival trips, guest spot restructuring, moving houses, and even a new baby. So, oh, thanks uh, very much. We will find a way to bring these shows to you every week. Yeah, uh, but yeah, big fact, but thank you for that, though, Kevin. That is nice, yeah. also. Also, uh, we want to touch on something really quickly. Um, after Again, after Nightmare Beach, uh, Nazi, Sheridan Not got in touch talking about uh, Miami Connection. Yes. Um, to which you said uh, that you love Miami Connection, in fact, have a Dragon Sound t-shirt. Now, I haven't seen Miami Connection, but I do know what Dragon Sound is. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, but Sheridan got back in touch and said that it is your duty to show it to me. Then consider that the plan at some point this week. Yeah. We will, we will get it's, that it's... done. Got a newbie here, a new person alert. Oh, hello. Well, new person to the podcast, but I've actually, I actually know the guy. Uh, Gary okay. J. Hewitt, getting in touch. Just finally getting round to listening to the show, which I appreciate. At Hewitt G. Pro, saying, I watched part five of Friday the 13th last month, um, and he is just settling down to listen to episode one in defense of Friday the 13th part five. So I believe that he joined us after uh, Gabriel Robertson's episode on Final Destination 3. So um, he will have heard pretty much opposite ends of the spectrum by this point. So uh, very interesting to see what that's like. And indeed, if he sticks around to listen to any more. <laughs> to fill that massive gap in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> A couple of things on the live show announcement as well, which we uh, dropped this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, letting you all know that we're going to be back at Celluloid Screams for another live show at noon on the 25th of October at the Showroom Cinema yes. um, which we'll be letting you know a little bit more about in due time but uh, Scare Bear, a new person at Scare158Steve I'll definitely be there guys, be my first one I've seen live, should be a blast um, yeah, hopefully <laughs> Yeah, that, that, I mean, uh, just moderate your expectations slightly yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's that that's not unreasonable. Yeah. Um uh, uh, have you got anything else? Magic Mercer getting in touch at Magic Mercer saying yesterday was a great day for announcements with the Soho Horror Fest lineup and strong violent PC celluloid screams news. Ah uh, yeah. Uh, it was you know what? That was a good week. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll talk about the Soho Horror Film Festival lineup a little bit down the line, I think. Yeah, we will be taking a look at that in a little bit closer detail. Um 
in a little while more information on that i think you can probably guess the format that's going to take um (laughs) bears mentioning actually that the passes for soho are on sale now and they're apparently selling really well um this is a really cool festival and the value for money is incredible yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's it's something like fourteen or sixteen films and a whole bunch of shorts over two or three days, uh, three days, and that's forty five pound. That's amazing, and uh, absolutely I mean, brilliant. Actually, a really interesting lineup. Um, a lot of stuff that hasn't really been seen at other festivals in the UK. A lot of really Which, interesting think, stuff there. Yeah, Mitch did a really good job of doing that last year. Um, so no reason to believe that uh, the same won't apply this year. I'm hoping to get there this year. Um, it might be one. It might be one journey too many for me, but um, <laughs> I am hoping to get there. I've got some exciting news regarding the live show here. Uh, Stevie at Film Fan Stevie will be in attendance, provided he doesn't get lost at Cousin Sheffield. <laughs> well, you know, it's a labyrinthine. <laughs> um, Stevie actually uh, dropped us a line earlier on in the week. Uh, I think it was, well, it was on Friday when the episode came out. He was saying that uh, despite the fact that he had four films to see on Friday at the London Film Festival still made time to drop into the Curzon Soho and um, have his usual Friday morning ritual of uh, checking out the show and having a coffee which is nice. That's a pretty good effort pretty good effort. Uh, uh, Mitch yes. Secret Obsession. Uh, yes this just won't go away we're going to have to get this episode programmed <laughs> uh, Kim Morrison uh, on Twitter at Wicked Sister 69 uh, not going by Kim Morrison but rather going as 100% that witch uh, say, okay. <laughs> home from the cinema what will I watch of course it's going to be fucking Secret Obsession Secret Obsession continues to um, sweep the listener base and dominate the headlines um. Dominate the headlines, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a massive focus stealer on the feedback from last few weeks. <laughs> um, yeah, we need to get the episode of the daily. I think we need so. to get get John on the wire. I need to find, I need to find out how his uh, how his research is going. Um, we had a tweet from Cosmic Ray Girl this week, last one from me, um, which uh, was uh, her just saying, uh, "I'm having my own Final Destination moment," and uh, she's driving behind a massive truck full of logs. Yeah, and I, I did see that, and I, I did mean to reply and say, put your phone away. Yep, you're driving, madam. Put you your phone driving. away. I don't want to see that truck, and that be the last thing we hear from you. Exactly, exactly, so, exactly. Uh, so be good. couple more things from me. General okay. comment coming in from Chloe Besley at ChucksBedina25. Oh, yeah. Damn it at Strong Violent PC. Minisode 68, when you threw in that new jingle, it scared the shit out of me. Jesus. Uh, oh, yeah, that'll be the What's Available to Watch soon one, courtesy of Tony uh, Constantinou. Yeah. <laughs> And I find what it is. I'm glad that it rattled you so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's what it's there for. I mean, like, yeah, it's just uh, lobbing in a jump scare. It is a horror podcast after all. And one last thing from me. It's uh, on Nightmare Beach coming in from Chris Salt. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chris is just posing a question here regarding beaches. Not the film. Okay. Great episode again, but I feel like you skipped a key issue in your discussion. What is going on with American beaches? That sounds like the start of a Jerry Seinfeld joke. What's the deal with American beaches? Exactly that. Between the sunbathing people and the sea, there's like a mile-long car park and cars actually driving up and down. Beaches are for gravel and syringes, not cars. <laughs> well, there you go. Fair one. Fair one. That, um, uh, that, that beach is uh, set out in a very, very unusual way. Yeah, something for you to ruminate on over the course of the week. Yes, always good, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of which... It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and any identifying text, leaving only the image. My job will be to, where possible, describe the image to the best of my ability and give it a title and a synopsis. Wow. We will post that everywhere as well facebook twitter and instagram so you guys can join in it'll be there now uh yeah so uh, this past week we had munchies reappropriated by me as uf bros 
um, sci-fi horror toxic masculinity romp and a whole bunch of you got in touch with your suggestions as well i'll be honest i'm really excited about this you well, i'm not gonna lie they're not gonna let you down uh so cosmic ray girl 1996's death drop 3000 the bigger the demon the bigger the hole <laughs> sure. uh salter popcorn apologies in advance when a little below the hip lip ripping demon is magicked into existence from some lost writings of william shakespeare who it turns out spent the last years of his life as a devil worshipping dark scribe <laughs> it's not long until the local lap dancing bar flappers turns into a complete carnage in this horror comedy set in the same world as hot fuzz edgar wright presents love's labia's lost <laughs> <laughs> very good uh, CP Buckley uh, no appearance of the demon Menatita done unfortunately oh, this week uh, that's a shame. but after arriving on earth from the faraway planet Trabuculon with the mission to enslave the planet a young Trabuculonian named Ronald discovers that earth has many wonderful things from beer to its human inhabitants especially the female ones when he falls for a young woman named Kara Kara <laughs> cheer he decides that enslaving Earth is the wrong idea. However, his fellow Tribuculonians are coming from with aim to do what Ronald would not. Now, Ronald, Kara, and a bunch of other misfits must band together to stop the invasion, and Ronald must find out if Kara, Kara has feelings for him in the interplanetary, interspecies, romantic, killer, alien disaster drama, 1983's It's Earth, baby, and I love it. <laughs> Dennis Extra, after and getting in touch, simply suggesting the Michael Bay angle. Sure. <laughs> which I think is great, actually. Yeah. Uh, Hani underscore Ray, when Pan Tiho a lesser demon of the underworld, is sent by his master to wreak havoc on his small town. He is sidetracked by a local strip club and corrupted by the lifestyle of the club's patrons. The hell becomes impatient in 1987's comedy horror, Bruzelbob, Party Demon. <laughs> Very good indeed. Yeah, I love that. Tony Constantine. Uh, while staying at the Moscow Ritz-Carlton, unruly Russian president Boris Yeltsin's usual assortment of drunken misadventures and sexual shenanigans forces the KGB to finally put a venomous end to the Premier's time in office. Oh However, the plan fails when the poison's reaction with Boris's absurdly high blood alcohol level inexplicably causes him to mutate into an unstoppable gremlin-like creature with an unquenchable thirst for chaos. With the hotel now on lockdown and the insatiable imp-like president on the loose, the KTB must enlist the help of immigrant hotel cleaner Ahmed Dabed to put an end to <laughs> Boris's blitz on the Ritz. In 1993's borderline treasonous, unexpected Kremlin gremlin, the crushing indignity of a Russian imp dignitary. <laughs> <laughs> that's really fucking funny and finally Ugh. it's Chris Salt sure up on pictures on Twitter I'm going to need to take my time with this one does it rhyme? yes in this week's creature feature the planet of Huishia is facing a terrible plight a looming disaster is bearing down fast and its denizens have to take flight so these sketchy wee guys have to take to the skies and set forth through the vast endless night to a strange blue green world where a hotly dressed girl wears high heels a red frock and some tights this is Abigail Potter, astronomer's daughter, who stumbles upon the crash site. Just alas, not a man, can she scupper their plan, or will she too fall prey to their bite? As these alien dicks and their fresh naked kicks try to conquer the world with their might. Who will win? Who will lose? Who will drink all the booze? It's that cheap gremlins knockoff, we shites. <laughs> uh, uh, well, that was really good as well. That was excellent. So, as ever, uh, false to you, we've got two prizes to give away, two vats of nothing, uh, one for best character name and one for best pitch. Vats? Sure, why not? <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, best pitch to Hannah Ray. Uh, okay. Best, yeah, Boozleball Party Demon. Yep, yeah, best character name for Ahmed Abed. 
I made the bed. Yep, to Tony Constantino, even though it is, I think, borderline xenophobic. Yeah, we'll give a pass this one time. Yeah. Okay, so a uh, big well done to Hannah and Tony. You both win a whole lot of nothing. Yes. So onwards to me. Yeah. Um, are, you, are you ready for this? Yeah, sure. Um, there you go. Okay, here we go. Uh, okay, so it is a white sky. Image uh, has no border. Correct. The bottom half is pitch black with the exception of uh, on the right, there is what appears to be a creepy looking woman. Also, uh, just to the right of her, we have um, what looks like a zombified man. <laughs> also looks a bit uh, like Nick Cave. A little bit, yeah, but he's um, yeah, he's got he's got a moustache and he's wearing a suit, but yeah, he's looking a little bit worse for wear. Um, the main thrust of the image, we have a coffin sitting open with uh, lamps and shovels around it. It's obviously recently been dug up. Yeah. Um, there is a heavily decomposed uh, body skeleton in the middle, uh, kind of sitting with its legs slumped over the middle, with its arms around two people. On the left, we have a man in a yellow shirt and a white tie. Uh, he has got a uh, kind of goatee and a big moustache and uh, black curly hair, looking kind of uh, demented into camera. Also, and, looks uh, like Billy Conley. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. I see that. And to the skeleton's left, or right, we have um, an attractive, dark-haired woman in a red dress. Mm-hmm. Uh, standing behind them, we have a man with uh, curly hair wearing what do you call those hats? <laughs> like the red and white striped things with the tiny, with the tiny uh, propeller. Well, in this case, it's a, it kind of looks like a yarmulke. Yeah, with a, with a propeller on top. But uh, it's one of those things, anyway. Uh, and this guy's staring kind of like menacingly into the camera. He's wearing a red shirt and holding a red balloon. And in the background, there are gravestones, trees, and a bat. <laughs> yeah, uh, all of that's fine. Sure. Okay, cool. I will uh, need a moment. Go. Cool. Do you remember when Billy Conley had a, a sitcom in America? Not really, no. No, no. You might be, you might be too young. This might be me being an old bastard. But for a Perhaps. for a while, he had a kind of married with children esque sitcom. Oh, weird. Yeah, it was weird. I think it was just called Billy, um, but it it was definitely weird and it was definitely bad. Oh, that's not so good. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think I got it. Okay. Okay. Late one night, brother and sister Max and Emily McCombs head to the cemetery to pay their respects to their grandfather, Franklin. Mm -hmm. However, slow-witted, balloon-wielding, night-shift gravedigger Elmer Fungus mistakes them for (laughs) trespassers and reflexively kills them with both with his shovel. Panics and unsure of where to hide the bodies, he exhumes Franklin's grave and throws both bodies in the coffin with him. However, what Elmer doesn't know is that years before, Franklin was cursed to return to the town a hundred years from the night of his death to take revenge on a town that never appreciated him. Tonight just so happens to be that night, and he's taking the newly dead siblings with him. Chaos abounds in the 1974 shocker, The Graveyard Shift, the accidentally exhumed tomb of Max, Frank, and Emily McCombs. <laughs> You're never going to remember that next week. No chance. <laughs> no way. Uh, okay, how wrong am I? Uh, what year did you say? 1974. Oh, not far off at all. Uh, 1972. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. And the film is Bob Clark's Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. I've heard that name before. Is um, any good? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. do we have a synopsis and a synopsisizer? We do. I think we've had this guy before. The name sounds familiar. Humberto Amador. I believe we have, yep. Well, he's saying, An acting troupe led by Alan Ormsby go to a graveyard on a remote island to perform a necromantic ritual. The ritual works too well, and soon oh, the no. dead are walking about and chowing down on human flesh. The dwindling group of survivors struggle to escape. And that's oh, okay. all. Right, that's, uh, sounds pretty good. Yep, thanks, Humberto. Yeah. 
Uh, and that concludes Mitch's pitches for this week. That image is everywhere, so uh, get on that. If yes, you like. yes, yes. Please, uh, you you guys are so fucking awesome at this. Uh, it blows my mind every single week. So keep them yes, coming. Yes, yes, yes. So um, very quickly to the streaming platforms then. Indeed. So in a shocking twist, I can't find anything for Amazon Prime. <laughs> The struggle continues. And that's actually not technically true. On Amazon Prime from Monday, uh, we have the first of um, the weekly episodes incoming for season four of Mr. Robot. All right. And I can also confirm that it is the recent uh, series of Swamp Thing that is on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I actually fact-checked that this week as well. Yeah, so that's available now. Yeah. Uh, Sky, Cin- Sky Cinema, again, kind of similar. Monday uh, on Fox it is the first of weekly episodes of season 10 of The Walking Dead. Who cares? Um, um, uh, not I. Um, Netflix, uh, it's all on Friday pretty much on Netflix this week. Um, got fractured. After his wife and injured daughter disappear from an ER, a man conducts a panicked search and becomes convinced that the hospital was up to something. Ooh. Also on Friday, we've got Haunted Season 2. Real people sit down with friends and family to share terrifying true stories from their past, recreated through chilling reenactments. Oh, right. uh, also got the influence. Uh, back in her childhood home to help her sister care for their comatose mother, Alicia must face a dark force from her past that now threatens her child. And uh, not horror, but I think really worth a mention. Uh, on Friday, also, we've got El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty keen to see how that one plays out. Also, uh, not horror at all, but season three of Big Mouth is out now. I watched the first two, and they're very, very funny. Shut her then. So, uh, Killer Joe actually landed in Shudder last week. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, William Friedkin's Killer Joe. Yes. Uh, landed on Shudder this week. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, kind of the first film, or like one of the first films in his kind of like McConaughey's. <laughs> um, when he uh, kind of like started to make that kind of U-turn towards drama and Oscar stuff. Really, really fucking weird film, but really good performance from him and really good kind of supporting performances from uh, Gino Temple and Emil Hirsch. Yeah, and the wonderful Gina Gershon in there as uh, well. And uh, Thomas Hayden Church, actually, the casting this is really good. Also, yeah, you will never look at Fried Chicken the same way again. <laughs> uh, Creep Show Episode 2 is there now. Creep Show Episode 3 lands on Thursday. Uh, on Monday, also, here we've got Housebound. Oh, excellent. Uh, yeah, a would be thief is remanded to the custody of her estranged mother, who turns out to be correct in her assertion that evil spirits are afoot in the family domicile. Family domicile is a really way, weird way to describe a house. <laughs> Just say, in the family home. In the family home, exactly. Um, uh, so. I would. Say, that's pretty much your law. I would say that your pick of the bunch they are probably Housebound or El Camino. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say Housebound because it's more closely tied to the genre. That's fair. And that's it fair. Is that's very, fair. very good. It is great. Yeah. Yeah. So let's turn our attentions to this week's show, and we are uh, back on that guest life. Woo! He is the director of the recent Fright Fest selection, True Fiction. It's Mr. Braden Croft joining us this week. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, I think it will be good. Especially considering which film he's chosen. Yeah, we're going back to 1994 here. Okay. Um, and we're joining Brad Dourif as he battles the Death Machine. Death Machine, okay. So, it's a little bit harder to get hold of than some of the others. Yeah. But yeah. you can get it on DVD for you, pretty cheap. You can get it on DVD, yes, I can confirm that. And this Friday, we are joined to talk Death Machine by True Fiction director Braden Croft. So, how are you feeling about that? And indeed, everything else that we've talked about today. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do on Facebook and Instagram or Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC or email Scenes at gmail.com. Yep and, if you, yep, and if you didn't catch all of what Mitch just said and you can't be bothered rewinding the episode to figure it all out, you can go onto our website, strongviolentpod.com, where you can find all the information pertaining to our socials. You can also find a non-exhaustive list of podcast providers. Perhaps there's somewhere there that suits your needs better than what you're currently using. 
Uh, you can Perhaps. also find a link to our T Public page. New designs coming this week for that. Ooh. And you can also find information in regards to our upcoming live show at Celluloid Screams and any other future live shows that there may be down the line. So, big thank you to all of you for listening, of course. Uh, every week, uh, you guys never fail to amaze us and surprise us with your generosity and your messages and just generally engaging with us. Just, be, just generally being good folk. Yeah, I genuinely believe we've got one of the nicest little communities out there in terms of podcasts. Um, yes, I think so. I think so. Everyone is, everyone is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully at least some of you will join us on Friday for episode 74. We're talking Death Machine with Braden Croft. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 